This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Follow Buck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Team, welcome. We've got breaking news to get to and a whole bunch of stories that continue on today. Terror attack at Kabul airport. A suicide bomb has detonated. As I speak to you now, we're still finding out the number of casualties. There are American soldiers who have at least been wounded. There are Afghan civilians who have been killed. And this is all happening at a time when the security situation is deteriorating. There are threats of more attacks like this. And time is running short for the evacuation of over a thousand U.S. personnel. Plus, on the COVID front, we've got mask mandates for kids in schools spreading all across the country. Delta Airlines is going to take $200 a month from employees who don't get vaccinated. And is the fighting Irish mascot of Notre Dame offensive? Does anybody really believe that? We'll dive into this and more. But born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation carries forward a legacy of courage and heroism. To mark 20 years, Tunnels to Towers is gifting America's heroes and their families with 200 mortgage-free homes. This is an incredible organization that really cares about keeping our sacred obligation to those who made the ultimate sacrifice in the war on terror for this country. To honor the fallen, Chairman and CEO Frank Siller walks more than 500 miles through six states in 42 days from the Pentagon to Shanksville, culminating at Ground Zero on 9-11. Towers of Light return to the Pentagon and Shanksville memorials in remembrance. For the first time, those we lost to 9-11 related illnesses are being honored at a ceremony on September 12th. On Veterans Day, another first, the soldiers we lost in the war on terror are having their names read aloud. The words never forget require action. Do good and take action now. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. We have a suicide bombing at the airport in Afghanistan I'm going to be following very closely. And if I get updates even during this podcast, I'll tell you where we are. But this was something I talked about yesterday on the radio show that you have what was just such a large, soft target here. Thousands and thousands of people who are packed together, who are in tremendous duress to begin with because they're all jostling to get to the front of these masses of humanity to try to get inside the perimeter of Kabul International Airport. And we knew that it was just a matter of time before a group like ISIS-K or ISIS-Khorasan branch. So this is the Islamic State faction in Afghanistan was going to engage in an attack like this. I am hopeful that there are no Americans KIA Uh, There are American soldiers who, as I look at the latest reporting, have been wounded. We'll have to be updating this as we go along. But this just is more evidence, as if we needed it, of what a chaotic mess this situation is and how high the risks are that we're running at this point. The Biden administration just completely dropped the football. I mean, this is unbelievable. And we've seen this for days and it continues to play out in a way where it becomes even more clear that it would be hard for them to botch this more than they have. It's almost so incompetent that you feel like it could have been intentional. I'm not saying it is, but it would be hard to do a much worse job in terms of planning and preparation for this. 
You know, it looks like, yeah, sure, they want to get the Americans out, but they just threw it all together at the last second because they had absolutely no idea that this was coming. Um, here's Senator Tom Cotton, who, as you know, uh, served in Afghanistan with the army. Play seven. And his White House seems to be treating this like it's just a, a bad news story uh, after a gaffe on the campaign trail. And they can grit it out and mm -hmm. turn the page and the headlines will change in a few days. And the headlines they want back in the news is what Nancy Pelosi was talking about this week. Their reckless three and a half trillion dollar taxing and spending bill. But when our troops are gone Tuesday, if we stick to that deadline and there are hundreds, if not thousands of not only American citizens, but green card holders. And who only knows how many Afghans who risk their life to fight alongside us who have been approved by our government, vetted for security reasons to get a visa and come here, it's not going to be a bad news story that you can just walk away from. Yeah. It's going to be an ongoing catastrophe. There are going to be Afghans who are left behind. That's guaranteed at this point. I am hopeful that there will be no Americans left behind, although it's going to be close. There were reports of uh, military and CIA operations going on to try to airlift people out from different points around Kabul, finally bringing helicopter assets to bear. That should have been going on, you would think, for days, but there were reports, Daily Mail and other places uh, last night about that. But now this is the 11th hour. I mean, this is you've got to get it done. There were also some reports saying that they could be closing up shop early essentially saying no more civilian evacuations. Now we have to focus on pulling out the military. We know that some of our NATO, our European NATO allies are not, uh, are, are, are actually doing that. They're not going to go to the full deadline of August 31st. They're trying to get out now, and they have stopped their own evacuation operations. Um, but the chances of us being able to get everybody out, it's just looking slimmer and slimmer. Here's a Democratic... Representative Chrissy Houlihan, play three. But I do think that it's, it is worrisome, as we talked about just now, that we probably won't be able to accomplish the mission of leaving no one behind uh, with the timelines that we have. And so uh, I think that the atmosphere and the mood within the um, meeting was bipartisanly one of encouraging the president to reconsider that date. Won't be able to accomplish the mission of leaving no one behind. Yeah. Doesn't look like that's going to be able to happen here. You know what the scariest part of this is? We're entirely in the Taliban's hands with this right now. If the Taliban decided that no more Americans were going to get through, period, and there have been reports that they're turning away, as I speak to you, even people with American passports, even people who are U.S. citizens or green card holders. Doesn't matter. They're turning them back. That's what's been reported. It's chaotic. Look, there's different, there's updates but the Taliban is calling the shots here. If they decided to shut it all down, there's very little we could do other than ask them right now because the Biden administration does not. What was the uh, what was it that Joe Biden says? He carries a big stick. The Biden administration's stick is not scaring the Taliban. Here's uh, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby saying that. This is the situation. The Taliban is in control and we'll say what we can do. Play four. Outside of that, the Taliban have set up checkpoints. We've talked about this before, and we are in daily communication with Taliban commanders about 
who we want to see get in and what the credentials are, what they look like, what's valid. Uh, and that that, com- that communication happens literally every day. We have been uh, nothing but open with uh, the Taliban about uh, who we expect them to let in. Uh, again, fully recognize that it's uh, that uh, that n- that uh, not every step of this process is in our firm control. It's in the Taliban's control. That's what he's saying. This is what he's telling you. The greatest superpower in the history of the planet. And we're asking a bunch of medieval thugs walking around. I was going to say with AKs and sandals, but actually it's stolen USM4s now. And new, new gear, new plate vests, the whole thing. Courtesy of the U.S. taxpayer. Now, what a disaster this is. And I understand what the narrative is going to be. And you should be prepared for this too. The Biden administration is going to claim victory on this if they can basically get out almost all of the Americans, even if there are a lot of Afghans left behind. They're going to say it was a tough choice. It was a tough situation, but we know we, we made the right call. And they'll hope that everyone forgets about what a complete mess this whole process was, how much more chaotic and, and stressful and risky it was than it should have been. And now that's assuming they're able to get out basically all of the Americans. If they don't, what we're going to have is the Biden administration in ongoing talks with the Taliban. And now then we have a full on hostage situation. Right. And they don't have to have many of them. Taliban doesn't have to have many U.S. hostages for there to be a lot of leverage that they'll bring to bear. And you got to think about it this way. Do a mirror imaging of the enemy here. If you're Mullah Berater, the head of the Taliban, you're sitting down at the chessboard, so to speak. What are the, what are the things that you would do? How would you maneuver the pieces here? Sure, you show the international community that you're willing to be, oh, so cooperative after your stunning defeat of the U.S.-backed Afghan national government. Lightning speed. I mean, faster than even the German blitzkrieg. Absolutely insane what has gone on here. And now we're in a situation, we're in a circumstance where They are dictating terms to us, but that's actually where they want to be, because what will happen here is that they're going to use this as leverage to try to get more international legitimacy, to try to get more traction with other nations. And then what whatever Americans are left behind, there are a lot of ways that they can play this. They could say, what Americans? We don't have any Americans. And then in back channel say, we'll look for them. Meanwhile, they're keeping them in some dank cell somewhere. Right. There's a lot of ways this can play out where they do what other terror regimes will do. Places like Iran. Oh, do we have your guy? I don't know. Maybe we have your guy. Let's talk about it. What will you give us? Don't come at us publicly about this because then you'll never see your guy or gal again. Uh, But this is this is where we are. And this could have been avoided. Interestingly enough, you know, the Biden administration is now claiming that they told everybody to evacuate. They told everybody to evacuate back in. Uh, What was it, May or June? So did they know that this was going to happen or not? They can't seem to get their story straight on that. They can't seem to figure out whether they had foresight here and an understanding of where all this was going or they were completely blindsided by it all. Uh, I I think it matters. I think it's important that they're able to make a, well, that they're able to come to a final conclusion and share that with the American people about this. But 
for right now, what matters to them is the optics and trying to avoid political catastrophe. Also, another note, the Afghans, think about this, who are being told to go through these checkpoint lines that are saying, oh, here's my paperwork. How, how do you think some of these Afghans are going to be treated by the Taliban? You, you think they're going to just wave them all through or you think some of them might be told, we've got a special place to take you. And that's it. This is the situation. This is what is happening right now in a country that it looks like it is going to turn into just the jihadist hellhole, perhaps, that many of us have been worried about. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it turns into Saudi Arabia without the oil. That's what some people have been saying. Maybe they just want control within within Afghanistan. They won't play official host to international terrorists. When I say maybe, you know, I, I can't give you the odds on this. Who knows? What does the intelligence community know? What do our military intelligence arms know about Afghanistan, really? If they couldn't know, and I have to put this out there for you, if they couldn't know how quickly the entire 300,000-plus Afghan national security forces would not even collapse, they just disintegrated. It's like they were never even there. If they couldn't know that, How can we actually know what the reality is of terror ties and the true strategic intention of the Taliban? Yeah, we know they're savages. We know they have this this insane, ultra fundamentalist Islamic approach. We we get it. But beyond that, anybody who tells you that they have a clear picture of where this is heading is just making it up. They don't know. Because there are no Americans right now. There is no American insight into this that you could entirely trust in terms of where this is all heading because all the information we've been getting is filtered through a government that's entirely incompetent, an intelligence community that just had a massive failure. All right, we'll talk COVID in a second here, but Getter is amazing. I'm on it now. Those of you saying, Buck, are you on Getter? I'm on Getter. You got to get on it, too. Big tech, as you know, is monitoring us conservatives, censoring us, deplatforming us. And we've all been helpless to do anything about it until now. On Getter, you can talk with friends and family and express your political beliefs without fear of Silicon Valley libs coming after you. So join Getter today. It's the social media platform that supports free speech and opposes cancel culture. Getter is led by former Trump advisor Jason Miller, who saw what big tech did to President Trump and decided to fight back. Getter is the fastest growing social media platform in history with over 1.6 million users and growing, including prominent conservatives like Mike Pompeo, Steve Bannon, me. Join Getter today. It's in the App Store, the Google Play Store and at Getter.com. Longer posts, longer videos, sharper and clearer pictures. And unlike the Silicon Valley oligarchs, Getter will never sell your data. Send a message today. Join Getter. G-E-T-T-R, G-E-T-T-R. Join Getter, download the app. It's totally free. I'm on it now. It's time to cancel, cancel culture. Play eight. Starting November the 1st, we're going to implement an insurance surcharge such that if you're not vaccinated at that point, we're going to uh, add a $200 monthly premium surcharge onto your health insurance costs, because this is not just costing lives. This is costing us financial resources as well. So they're now going to fine you if you don't get this vax at, at Delta Airlines. Other companies are taking 
even stronger action. They're saying if you don't get the shot, you get fired. City governments, police departments get the shot or get fired. This is what we're this is what we're heading for now. How are we going to stop this? They're taking they're taking a patchwork approach. The lockdown Fauciites are taking a you will do what we say. We'll find a way to make you do it approach. As you know, here in New York City, they've they've basically they've you know overrun the battlefield. Get the shot or you might lose your job. But if it's not even about your job, you can't go into a restaurant. You can't go into certain stores. You can't go into venues. You can't go into movie theaters, whatever. Can't go to a bar, see your friends. Get the shot or else. That's where we are. The Biden administration has been explicitly and clearly pushing for this. Now, let's remember, friends, the federal government isn't just something that has an opinion about stuff sometimes. The federal government, especially we're talking about certain businesses, has a tremendous amount of leverage and pressure that it can bring to bear, especially if you're, say, oh, a hospital system, right? If you're involved in something that's already heavily federally regulated. So this is the plan. They're going to find a way wherever you are in the country right now. They're looking to find a way to make you get the shot, even though it just came out, you know, that they're, they're t- saying that every six months, actually, it was eight months, two weeks ago. Now it's six months. You're going to need a booster. And think about this. You know, you've got family vacation plans or something. You're going to go somewhere. Oh, I don't know. Do you have your paperwork for that booster shot? You're a month out of date. Sorry. Can't have you killing grandma. This is the society that they're now demanding. And once they have vaccine passports in place, think about all the other ways. I mean, they're essentially creating a massive database of Americans, their health, their movements, their travel, everything. They're creating the, the basic infrastructure for a total surveillance state. I mean, we already have that from the private sector, thanks to the Internet. But now we're getting it from the government side as well. These people are obsessed with control. They ne- they're never contrite. You'll notice this. The people that have been pushing you to do more, to get the shot and all this, they never say, wow, we went too far. Sorry about that. No, it's never enough. They don't apologize because it's not about what's right. It's not about keeping you safe. It's about because they said so. That's really the justification for all of this now, because they said so. And here we are looking at this, seeing how this plays out across the country and places like uh, Jared Polis of Colorado is trying to take shots. What's the favorite thing to do? Take a shot at Governor Ron DeSantis for how he's handling COVID. They have to defeat the DeSantis strategy or else they know they're ruined going into the midterms. They know this, right? They know the Democrat Party brand has been battered as Cuomo resigns in disgrace, as Newsom is facing uh, recall. Those are the, the top two Democrat governors handling this whole thing. Play clip nine. I would hope that people are considering moving uh, important meetings to Colorado from Florida and Texas and other higher risk areas. And of course, we encourage all conferences uh, to be able to take the steps necessary to implement best practices with regard to COVID-19. Those often include um, uh, supporting indoor mask wearing. Uh, At times, they include testing. At times, they include vaccination requirements. There's a variety of ways to do it. But Colorado is looking like a better and better place to do business relative to Texas and Florida every day. I mean, yeah, take take a snapshot of where things are this week. We'll see where things are this winter and we'll see where things are when we actually look at the per capita hospitalization and mortality data. Remember, they did all these things in California, New York, New Jersey, Michigan, 
Illinois, and states that didn't do these things like Texas and Florida have are basically the same. And they say, ha ha, see, we might have had, you know, 1% or 3% less cases or whatever it may be. Yeah, but it was supposed to be a whole lot more than that. You guys, they were all wrong. Their lockdowns, the whole thing, they were all wrong. And with kids in schools, the UK has gotten rid of masks for, for children in schools. Are, are they full of hatred for their own children? Because they say that Ron DeSantis wants kids to die because he won't push the mask mandates, right? This is the line you get from the libs. This is the line the Democrats will use. Ron DeSantis doesn't care if kids die. So is the entire United Kingdom looking to have a mass extermination of its own children in schools? Or is that idiotic? Is that a cheap shot? And is it clear that if you actually take a moment to think and look and read, you'll see that masking in schools is a waste. It's wrong. It's actually worse than it's worse than worthless. It is wrong to do. It is punishing children. And for really for the anxiety and the political uh, political preening of adults. And that's why Governor Ron DeSantis is fighting back about uh, against this. And I'm glad he is play 13. But just understand what they are doing. I mean, they are thumbing their nose at the rights of parents. Some of these districts had let parents had, had honored the ability of the parent. To, and then they're taking it back uh, after, you know, being able to do it. So, you know, parents clearly are in the best position to be able to do this. That's what state law says. And I think that that's the, the way to go. But, uh, you know, nobody is above the law. And you can't go above the law and take away people's rights. And that's what they're doing. They're taking away parents' rights. And there will be consequences. Who will stand up against this? Ron DeSantis is taking action. Who else will stand up against this? On the radio show today, I'm uh, having a conversation with Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota. I think if you go back and see what Noam did on the transgender bill that she said she'd sign and then refused to sign, I think she caved to corporate pressure. That's what I think happened. She also said it was a, a style and form revision she requested, and then she was going to do. Yeah. Did that ever happen, folks? Was there some big effort to come back with a better bill? Really? Yeah. And now here we are. And I understand people people want to like a female uh, an appealing female governor in a very red state at a time when we could use some uh, some new blood, so to speak, at the top of the Republican Party. And I understand that. And I'm, I'm not trying, you know, I don't like to tear down conservatives. I'm not trying to pull down our own side. But I also think it's important to have honesty. And I think that we can't be strong as a party. I mean, let's be clear about this. We're losing right now across the country. We are losing the battle against vaccine mandates. A hundred percent. All right. It's already the battle's already lost in New York City where I am. It's gone. They're going to make everybody get the shot here. It's, it's already happening. They're just going to make life impossible. To, so you could say, oh, you can leave at some level. That seems like that lets the crazy Fauciites win. But even beyond that, OK, and go where? Hopefully you're not going to have to fly because by this winter, I think they're going to start saying you need a vaccine passport for interstate airline travel. And so Christy Noem had an opportunity from the South Dakota state legislature to sign something that would ban vaccine mandates for employers. Now, I understand people are going to say there's an argument here 
And I know what her argument is going to be without even talking to her. Say, oh, I'm not into big government. I want to let government. I want to let businesses choose themselves. Okay, there are a lot of ways that this can go. But let's just let's just look at one of them. Why not take a stand in favor of protecting? Why not take a stand in favor of individual rights, freedom of conscience? Put this under an anti-discrimination framework, right? People have a right of conscience not to have a shot injected into their bodies. And private, there are a lot of things private businesses are not allowed to do at the state and federal level. There are tons of regulations already. So, oh, let's not regulate to protect an individual freedom. Right. Why? You could say, oh, Buck, it's up to the business. Really? Can the business decline, uh, decline to serve somebody because of a protected characteristic of that individual? Can the business decline to hire somebody or fire somebody for any of those reasons? Now, I know you can say, well, Buck, I, I, I wish that businesses could do whatever they want. You know, if you want to take this extreme libertarian view, OK, that's not the country we live in right now, though. That's not the framework of the law as it stands today. So why not actually do something, set a standard, go on offense? I'll ask her these questions, and uh, I think I'm likely to get a lot of doublespeak about, you know, my small government and my constitution. By the way, the constitution is not the issue here. Plenary powers, the state, the state can actually do this. But I don't want to give too much of this away in case her... uh, very annoying comms team is listening to my podcast to get some, which I, they're probably doing right now. If they're, if they're smart, they're doing that before we have our, our conversation today. Um, but it's frustrating because now we, we don't have time for phonies right now. We don't have time for half measures. We are losing against the lockdowners and we need people who will stand up and do the right thing. And we have to hold people on our side who have power to account. You know, I love Mike Lindell's MyPillow. It's amazing. And he's got all these incredible products, and they just make me sleep so much better. And I I use them all over the house. They make my life more comfortable, and it's just amazing. Mike fit me from a very own MyPillow years ago now, and I've now got a lot of their different products, the mattress topper, the My my, uh, Towels, the slippers. I've even got the uh, Giza Dream sheets, which which are just the best sheets I've ever owned. And I want you to get a MyPillow and see for yourself. Listeners like you have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. And Mike Lindell wants to give back to all of you. You can get great discounts on MyPillow products by going to MyPillow.com right now and clicking on the radio listener special square. You're going to see rotational offers of up to 66% off on products like their pillows, mattress topper, and Giza sheets, but also new products like their slippers, weighted blankets, robes, waffle blankets, and more. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Enter promo code BUCK for these great radio specials. Again, MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square and enter promo code BUCK for these great radio specials. All right, so I know we've been kind of a heavy, intense show today. And uh, hopefully, Producer Mark, can you hang out with us tomorrow for roll call? Absolutely. We'll do some roll call for uh, with, with Producer Mark tomorrow. So all of you out there, uh, please send us in. You can send in questions for producer Mark, you know, qu- queries for the penalty box and and see what's going on with that. Um, that would be fun for us. So team buck at iheartmedia.com. Also, 
You can uh, send us a Facebook message, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. And remember, please just subscribe to my bucksexton.locals.com and we'll be posting updates and fun things there. So please uh, check that out absolutely when you get a chance. Become a subscriber. It helps keep the lights on. Helps me make sure that we can uh, build a college fund for little Mark, little producer Mark Jr., you know, stuff like that. So... Let's now get into the fighting Irish mascot. Actually, producer Mark, let me let me let me bring you in on this one. You're you know more about sports. Have you ever heard a human being say the fighting Irish mascot is offensive? No, not even once. Right. It's an iconic mascot. It's been, what, 100 years that Notre Dame has been using that? Probably everybody loves the fighting Irish mascot, and it's not supposed to even be an Irish person. I mean, not that that would even really matter in my mind. It's a leprechaun. It's like we have a unicorn or a pegasus or something as a mascot. It is a mystical being that is associated with the folklore of Ireland. And now there's a, there's a survey out. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Survey out that says uh, that it is now considered a, a offensive. It is now considered offensive. And I just wonder, you know, I've been saying... <clears throat> New York, I mean, the New York Post reporting on this. I've been saying for a while, Mark, give it time. They'll, they'll, they'll realize that the Vikings did not state their pronouns and uh, were not progressive enough because they actually were enslaving people and, like, you know, loot, rape, pillage. They were a pretty, pretty rough society. I don't know. The Vikings might have to change their name. They might have to become the Sea Slugs or something. The Sea Slugs? Why the Sea Slugs? Because how could that be offensive? You're right. You know? That's a good point. I've got some. What do you think is the next mascot name that's actually going to go down in flame? I'm not mascot, uh, you know, team name. Is there one that you think you're like, that's not going to last? I'm just off the top of my head. I would say the Atlanta Braves have caught flack in the past just because they do the um, tomahawk chop and stuff like that. And they do have, uh, I think, an Indian person logo of some sort. I don't know off the top of my head. That one uh, is the only one. Oh, maybe the Chicago Blackhawks. Has been in the news in the past, but uh, both organizations, for the record, have said absolutely not. We're not changing our name. That's ridiculous. But it's a big, yeah. it's a big move to change the name. You know, this is why Yale University, if it became, you know, the uh, the Associated University of Eastern New Haven or something, people wouldn't be as excited to go there because you know Yale is named for a slave trader, producer Mark Elihu Yale. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, yes, a slave trader. Think about that guy was involved you know his business was the business of trading slaves anyway so uh is the notre dame mascot gonna actually change i don't think so but this is the this is the quick takeaway if people want to be offended folks they'll always always find a way find a reason so just tell them cry more lib listen to the buck saxton podcast that's it for today folks back tomorrow send in some thoughts for roll call we'll get to it with producer mark uh hanging out with us talk to you tomorrow shields high